for being with us, D.C. Bureau Chief for The Intercept. Um, Ryan's new book is called The Squad, AOC and the Hope of a Political Revolution. And we'll also link to your articles at The Intercept as you continue to cover this issue. For those who didn't get to see Democracy Now! on January 1st, um, you can go to democracynow.org and see the Belmarsh Tribunal, excerpts of it, uh, looking at the case of Julian Assange, whose final appeal goes um, before a London court on February 20th and 21st. Democracy Now! produced with Renee Fels, Mike Burke, Dina Guzder, Messiah Rhodes, Nermeen Sheikh, Maria Teresena. I'm Amy Goodman with Juan Gonzalez for the first edition of Democracy Now! Hey, this is Jesse Jarno of WFMU, and you are listening to the Hudson Mohawk Radio Network, WOOC 105.3 FM Troy and WOOS 98.9 FM Schenectady, broadcasting from the Sanctuary for Independent Media in Troy, New York. Hello, and welcome to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, broadcasting from the Sanctuary for Independent Media in Troy, New York, on the unceded homelands of the Mohican people, known today as the Stockbridge-Munsee community. I'm Sina Bazila-Hickey. And I'm Kaelin McPherson. Today on the 2024 edition of the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, we first talk with Mark Dunley with Blair Horner of Nyberg about congressional redistricting, redistricting in New York State and camp campaign financing. Then we join New Year's Day's interfaith peace walk around Troy. After that, Brad Monkel interviews Juan Pantaleon. Finally, Tom Francis talks with poet and United States Army veteran W.D. Clark. But first here are your headlines. The State University of New York is warning that their colleges will face a growing annual deficit of several hundred million dollars unless state lawmakers increase funding for the system. Other approaches would be to increase tuition or further cut programs. Colleges nationwide will face significant financial pressures in the next few years as the number of college-age students is significantly declining. A bipartisan bill that would revamp New York's 175-year-old wrongful death statute was vetoed by Governor Hochul for the second time last Friday. The laws govern the amount of damages that the families can recoup after a loved one dies in a sudden accidental case. cases. Reform has been opposed by the insurance, businesses, and trade associations, as well as the medical profession. Carmela Mantello, the new mayor of Troy, says her main goals will be to fight crime, improve public health, and make the city more livable. Mantello claims cr- crimes have festered because of the lax attitudes about criminal conduct. Quote, we are going to make their life hell, unquote, she said. Mayor Montello began her term with a bit of controversy over the appointment of former Rensselaer County Elections Commissioner Jason Schofield to a post in the city's clerk's office. Schofield's prior guilty plea in a voter fraud case prompted a backlash, and Schofield backed out of the job. A state Supreme Court justice has rejected a request from U.S. Representative Elise Stefanik and the Republican Party to temporarily suspend a new state law that allows any registered voter in New York to cast their ballot early by mail. The Republicans will appeal. The Times Union reports that the U.S. bankruptcy court judge on Thursday appointed two mediators who have deep experience in litigation involving sexual abuse cases to lead efforts in the coming months to resolve hundreds of lawsuits filed against the Roman Catholic Diocese of Albany. It is unclear if the mediation will address the pension claims of 1,100 former employees of the now-closed St. Clair's Hospital in Schenectady. The Gazette reports that more Schenectadians will be eligible for the seniors' property tax exemptions after the city council extended the income limit from $37,399 per year to $40,399 per year. A new state law allows the limit to be raised to $50,000. Tolls on the New York State Thruway have been raised for 2024, with New York State Easy Pass users seeing a 5% increase. This is the first increase since 2010. 
through tolls were supposed to end in 1996. The record reports that the city of Troy has awarded $100,000 in American Rescue Act Plan Act, or ARPA, funding to In Our Own Voices, Inc., in recognition of the need for increased support for Troy's BIPOC and LGBTQIA communities, the funding will be matched with $50,000 from the Troy Redevelopment Foundation to support a collaboration between In Our Own Voices and the YWCA of the Greater Capital Region. A new drop-in space with access to employment services, anti-violence and emergency aid, support for survivors of domestic abuse, Health screenings and local programming will be located in the city of Troy. And that's it for your headlines. For those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, listener-supported radio that builds community in Troy and the surrounding capital region through broad grassroots participation. Our content is produced by volunteers. To learn how you can contribute, go to mediasanctuary.org. Email us at hmm at mediasanctuary.org. Or call 518-272-2390. So first up, Governor Hochul recently vetoed legislation that many felt would undermine the state's new public campaign finance system for state legislative races. Also, the courts have given the Independent Redistricting Commission another chance to redraw the district lines for congressional races. Mark Dunley reports. For our first show of the 2024 uh, New Year, we're talking with Blair Horner, Executive Director of NYPIRG, New York Public Interest Research Group. And there were a couple of uh, interesting developments uh, recently. We thought we'd talk to Blair about some involvement in campaign finance and some about the uh, redistricting issue for congressional seats. But uh, Blair, the uh, governor, Governor Hochul, uh, actually vetoed the changes that the legislature uh, had made to the uh, upcoming uh, campaign finance rules, uh, which was something that the good government groups had, I guess, urged the uh, governor to do. So, so what exactly did the uh, governor do and why was that important? Well, you're right, Mark, and Happy New Year to you and your listeners. Um, so the governor vetoed legislation that was cobbled together in secret and passed at the end of the 2023 session. Anytime anything like that happens, you sort of pay attention because usually when things are being hammered in, together in secret and then moved at the end of session with very little public discussion, you know, there is a sort of a stench that sometimes can come up from that. In this case, this was a a bill that was uh, that would if, if it had become law would have made significant changes to the, the state's public financing system. And just as your listeners' is backdrop, backdrop, and uh, 2020, uh, a new law was passed that set up a voluntary system of public financing, uh, similar to what New York City has, uh, to, to allow candidates running for office to get public matching funds if they focused on raising money from small donors. And so the past in 2020 went into effect the day after the 2022 election. And without any public hearings uh, or any meaningful public discussion or complaint, uh, this bill was cobbled together, as I mentioned, in, in both houses. And it would have increased, for example, uh, the amount of donations that candidates would have to raise within a particular district if they're running for the Assembly uh, or for the Senate. Uh, there's another provision that's different in the current law from New York City, which uh, allows for bigger, uh, uh, more use of public resources in low-income districts. And again, they raise the monetary threshold in, in that section as well. So the sort of the basis of it was to um, make it more difficult, primarily for challengers, uh, to qualify by raising the minimum thresholds for the, by the by the amount of money that would have to be raised within a district, or by the number of the uh, number of the amount of donors in a district for anyone to qualify for the program, so the secrecy in negotiation, the raising the thresholds, the allowance for matching, uh, no matter what the size of the campaign contribution, uh, all of those things we thought were negatives, and uh, Governor Hochul agreed and vetoed the legislation. Now, can is there any indication the legislature will try to? you know, amend the law again, or this more likely to be, we try, we failed, we'll live with what the system says is supposed to happen. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you would think that there would be another attempt. Uh, we're certainly on wartime footing for this. Um, you know, they're trying to change the system before it even happened, right? So there's no evidence that there's a problem. Uh, so that makes us nervous. But these kind of bills don't pass at the end of session uh, unless the leadership wanted it to happen. Uh, and when both houses of the legislature want something to happen, uh, then they may, they'll probably want to push it again. And something like this could, you know, be easily contained in the budget. Now, whether or not the governor agrees to it or anything like that, I mean, who knows, right? But the fact that they are, you know, that they were proposing significant changes to the public finance system, the, you know, newborn system that hasn't really done anything yet other than uh, is an indication, I think, that there will be more efforts uh, like this to come. And, of course, when you mentioned the possibility put in the budget, which, you know, technically supposed to somewhat be adopted by April 1st, um, gives more opportunity for horse trade-in. So say if the governor is a little frustrated with the lack of progress on her affordable housing programs, that might be something that she could trade in exchange for campaign finance uh, changes or something. Um, is there any indication at this point, um, you know, the system hasn't kicked in yet, but uh, is this leading to, you know, more people deciding to run, you know, for the state uh, legislature, particularly, you know, from more non-traditional, um, you know, pull of candidates? Yeah, I mean, the, the whole idea, I mean, the, this program is not without flaw. Let me just say that right away. I mean, it instead of just you know expanding the new york city program which is road tested uh, to the entire state they you know they this effort sort of came up with its own system right and so anytime you have a new system that's not road tested there will be problems so i don't think that there's an issue that that people you know reasonable people could look at this and say things need to be improved but raising the minimum thresholds of course is a way to keep challengers make it harder for challengers to get on the ballot uh, but your your point before about that this allowing for public resources to match small donations um, uh, and make it makes it easier for people who don't have a network of wealthy donors uh, or interest groups uh, to run for office. I think it is right, and I, I and I think that's what we want, right? I mean, one of the reasons you recreate a system of public financing, a voluntary system of public financing, is to give non traditional candidates a chance to make a run for it. It doesn't guarantee that they'll win or that they'll outspend their opponents, but at least they have a shot. Now, one of the issues we had taught to you a month or two ago um, was that the uh, Court of Appeals, state highest courts in a split decision, had uh, decided that the so-called independent redistricting commission would be given another shot at uh, redrawing the lines for, for Congress, which um, last time had been actually drawn by uh, a, a lower court and the Democrats who had expected to pick up, you know, four or five seats uh, did quite poorly and actually was a big factor in uh, Congress being now controlled by the Republicans. Uh, the Independent Redition Commission did apparently recently meet meet and it didn't seem you know at least from the media reports that they were really thinking about wholesale changes that you know might do some tweaks here and there with what the court had previously ordered but not quite the radical changes that the democrats were looking at um how is that process going to work out at this point well you're, you're right i mean the state's top court says that the so-called independent redistricting commission could get another bite at the apple so that's they, they met this week. Um, it was, by all indications, at least from the verbal presentation, I mean, the meeting itself was over in two minutes. Uh, I was surprised at how short it was. But after the meeting and the sort of the press scrum that was happening, uh, the Republican Democratic leaders of the commission basically made it appear uh, that they were going to try to come up with new uh, a, a map that more or less matches the status quo. I mean, from the Republicans' perspective, they will challenge any wholesale changes, of course. The Democrats have an advantage in the sense they have super majorities in both houses of the legislature and a Democratic governor. And so, you know, is there a way to thread the needle between their two interests? Maybe. Uh, on the other hand, if you're one of these Republicans who won by, you know, 
a razor thin majority in 22 going into a presidential election. Uh, any changes uh, to districts in Nassau County, the Hudson Valley or Syracuse could make the difference. So I don't know how they're going to work it out. I mean, but their, their public statements, you're quite right, were that they were going to try to find some sort of kumbaya moment where both parties could agree. And I think the institutional interest was that um, uh, they wanted the court at least to agree that the legislature, well, the, the independent commission, um, would have uh, authority even if the court stepped in. So that sets precedent for the future. And that may be all the Democrats really wanted out of this, feeling feel, they're probably feeling their oats uh, with a, a presidential at the top of the ticket that their voters will show up in 24, which they, this year, which they did not do in 2022. That's the reason why the Democrats could have had a majority in the House of Representatives and didn't. Can can the legislature actually then do major changes if the district commission, district and commission actually agrees on something? And the, the way the, the state constitution process works, and we put that with air quotes because we don't think it does, but this independent redistricting commission gets two opportunities to advance maps of their own. And if they and then the legislature has the final responsibility to approve the legislature votes that down. Then the legislature draws the lines, not the commission. We're talking to Blair Horner, Nyperg, Nyperg.org, and this has been Mark Dunley for the Hudson Mohawk Magazine. And that was our first story of 2024. Next, what better way to begin a new year than sharing thoughts of peace and justice? On Monday in Troy, a large group started 2024 with an interfaith peace walk around downtown. Cena Bazilla Hickey was there to record the words of peace which were shared. Everybody want to walk? Yeah! yeah. Let's go! <laughs> Jun Sanyasuda, the Japanese Buddhist nun of the Grafton Peace Pagoda, led a New Year's Day interfaith peace walk for no more killings and no more war. Headed out of the Oakwood Community Center, a large group walked from Troy, stopping at Al-Hidayah Mosque of Troy, First United Presbyterian Church, Christ Church UMC, and Congregation Bereth Shalom for words of peace. I like to introduce Sherry uh, and Stuart. Their son is a Muslim friend. They have been, and um, Alex is our friend, still inside the prison, 25 years. So mother offering prayer for peace. Assalamu alaikum. May God's peace and blessings be upon everybody here. Um, it's such a beautiful thing to stand here in solidarity um, for this for this cause, this movement. Um, as Jun said, son said, my name is Shelly McInnes, my husband Stuart. I'm the mother and my husband is the stepfather of Ali Al-Emriki Alexander Chicolo. Um, he's a Muslim political prisoner um, and prisoner of war. Um, he was one of the many political prisoners was targeted on the war on terror and a trap by the government. Um, he's now serving a 20-year sentence. Um, halfway through, he's in low security. Um, this is only a small portion of our story. There are many impacted families um, that are suffering, um, including, of course, our family members who are unjustly incarcerated. Um, I'm also the prisoner and family support coordinator for the Coalition for Civil Freedoms, a coalition that supports the prisoners and their families who are targeted on the war on terror. Um, I'm not sure, we're not sure how many of you are familiar with our stories, um, but to hear them is just incomprehensible. Yes, this is true, this, this is happening to our families. Um, our son was only 22 when he was taken by his captors, um, our government, who is supposed to protect us. Yeah. Um, so anyway, as I said, um, I'll keep this short. Um, we've known Jun-san and Nikki-san and just everyone from the pagoda. Alex was 
a, a part of the family of the pagoda years ago. He's done peace walks. As you may see, they've used that on his case as a hippie turned terrorist. Um, it's just unbelievable. So I would recommend that you get on the coalition for civil freedoms.org. We have business cards. We would just, we really need support from the community as, as we support causes like this. Um, wars must end. Um, as you all know, this is just horrible, horrible. Um, no war in 24, we were just saying. No war in 24. No war in 24. No war in 24. pleasure to serve this congregation for the last uh, four and a half years now. I'm so encouraged to see so many of you choosing to start off your new year by marching for peace, by making a statement that we want killing to end, we want to live in communication rather than violence. I guess you've come here for a, for a prayer for my tradition and then for a song. That's true. So if you would all join me in an attitude of prayer. Yeah. Gracious and loving God, we know that you weep when we choose to go against your way of grace and choose to seek selfish means to end conflicts. God, help us know that we are divinely and lovingly made. Help us to feel in our being that you care for each of us. And through that acknowledgement of care, may we choose to care for others rather than act out of malice and selfishness. God, continue to remind us that you weave creation through our beings. Help us to resonate with you that we may live through your grace, that we may show your love that we may not choose this path of violence, but rather honor all aspects of your creation on this earth. God, grant us your peace, and may we share this peace to all who we encounter over this next year. For in your name we pray, amen. Amen. China.
dance with me. And we walk, walking strong, our hearts pounding with the drum. And we run, and we run, run with courage, knowing truth is in our bones. And we stand, and we stand, stand with prayer on the mountain of impossible. And we love, and we love, love with hope of peace and healing, healing. This is a reading from Vox Populi, Vox Dei, otherwise known as the people's voice, is the voice of God, carried in the Japanese Asahi newspaper. It was a rainy night. The first thing the young Jewish couple noticed was the sound of breaking glass. <coughs> the sound of rousing voices echoed through the apartment, and they heard many footsteps approaching the room. The day before, back in 1938, the persecution of Jews began throughout Germany. Stores and churches were looted and set on fire, and the streets were covered with shards of glass in a horrific act known as the Kristallnacht, or Crystal Night. It was said to be in retaliation for the murder of a German diplomat by a young Jewish man. The Nazis promoted segregation as a policy which eventually led to concentration camps such as Auschwitz. The Jewish people have walked through a history of discrimination and hardship. Each one is a memory that we must not forget as human beings. But who is it that is now confining the different peoples within the walls and raining shells of retribution down on their heads? I quote, the Palestinian people are at grave risk of genocide, end quote. A group of UN experts recently expressed strong dissatisfaction with Israel's continued incursions into the Gaza Strip. Unfortunately, so far, Israel has not listened. The military incursion has reached the center of Gaza City. The problem is the government, and not all ethnic groups and citizens support it, but it makes us feel dismal. The following is a quote from the book, Victimhood Nationalism, by Professor Ji Hyun Lim. The lesson to be learned from the horrific Holocaust is not that we too can be victims, but that we too can be perpetrators. Let us not continue the perpetration. Thank you. Thank you. Our family have been members of this beautiful congregation for 18 years. Congregation Barat Shalom, which means covenant of peace. Today I'll offer you a prayer that is rooted in Jewish teachings. Baruch atah Aronai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kiddushanu B'mitzvotah V'tivanu, Al Kavod HaViryot. Blessed are you, Eternal One, who spoke the world into being provides us instructions for living and puts human dignity, kevod habirot, and human life before all other commandments. You who teaches us that every human is created in the image of the divine and has inherent and invaluable dignity. You who instructs us in pikuach nefesh, saving a life, overrides all other religious rules. Shahina, we implore you to dwell among us. We call out to you in grief and horror at the catastrophic violence and war crimes being funded by our tax dollars in Gaza in violation of Jewish values, international human rights law, and human conscience. The life of every one of the 22,000 civilians killed, the 55,000 injured, the 7,000 missing, the 2 million displaced is precious. The life of every single one is a universe. Hokeach Ivrim, God who opens our eyes so we can see clearly. You teach us 
that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, that we are to love the stranger, for we were once strangers in the land of Egypt. Please open the eyes of the power brokers so they see in every one of those children each one of those children. Help them to see in every statistic the heart of their siblings, their parents, their dear friends. Open their eyes to imagine their hospitals turning to dust, their places of worship desecrated, their homes destroyed. Help them to understand that we humans are inexorably linked to one another and our safety, dignity, and lives are interdependent. Help them to understand that never again means never again for anyone. <laughs> May our own hearts never callous over. May our own tears never dry so long as any human is oppressed. Amen. Amen. I say shalom, maker of peace, who promised us, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, and neither shall they learn war anymore. We pray that you grant us courage, endurance, and skill to continue to stand up for an immediate and permanent ceasefire, the end of apartheid and occupation in Palestine, freedom for all captives, defunding of aid to the Israeli military, and provision of humanitarian relief, reparations, and land security for Palestinians. Not just for this situation, but for all time. We pray that you erase from our hearts and from our toolkit war and all of war's permutations, mobbery, brutality, vilification, violence, aggression, greed, rage, punishment, revenge, callousness, and othering. Instruct us in peace and the antecedents of peace, civility, dialogue, humility, empathy, compassion, nonviolence, loving kindness, abolition, demilitarization, equity, and interbeing. Harachaman, the merciful one, who instructs us in Baal Tashit, the prohibition on destruction. We know that human beings are made to be partners in Tikkun Olam, a creative dance to heal and repair the world. We are not made to destroy. Grant us the skillful means and determination to pressure legislators, clog the apparatus of empire, boycott and divest, protest in the streets, pray and chant and keep on going and keep on going until the bombs are still and the people are free and the land is healed. We close with Birkat HaKonim, a traditional Jewish prayer for peace and well-being. You're invited to put your hands in the shape of a sheen for Shalom and face the east to Palestine. Yevrecha Adonai v'yishmerecha, Ya'er Adonai panav alecha v'hunecha, Isa Adonai Panavalecha Veyasim Lecha Shalom. May Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make their face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May Adonai lift up their gaze to you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Hello. My name is Celia Cutts, also a member here. And I wanted to bring a song. For me, in my tradition as a Jew, song is how I know to be alive, the vibrations that reverberate, reverberate out and my prayer they are felt across the world. So this will be, if you are willing, a call and a response for you to sing with, for us to sing together. It is written by a dear friend, Ale Blakely inspired by a poem by Aurora Levens Morales, a Puerto Rican Jew. I will say a line. Will you say it back? Yes. Yes. Last night I dreamed. Last night I dreamed. 10,000 grandmothers. 10,000 grandmothers. Stepped in between the bombs and the families. The bombs.
Day's the New Year's Day interfaith peace and uh, peace walk around Troy was led by Junsan Yasuda, the Japanese Buddhist nun of the Grafton Lake Grafton Peace Pagoda, with support from Christoph Di Maria, Naomi Jaffe, and Jen Baumstein. For those of you just tuning in, I'm Sina Bazilahiki. And I'm Kellen McPherson. You're listening to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine on the Hudson Mohawk Radio Network on WOOCLP 105.3 FM Troy, WOOGLP 92.7 FM Troy, WOOSLP 98.9 FM Schenectady, and WOOALP 106.9 FM Albany, and streaming online at mediasanctuary.org. This program comes from the Sanctuary for Independent Media in Troy, New York. If you like what you hear, you can support this program by sharing it with your friends or someone else you know. Find today's stories and more at mediasanctuary.org. Before we move on to our next segment, we have some breaking news coming in at this moment. The New York Times reports that after a round of uh, after a new round of accusations over plagiarism in her scholarly work, Harvard's president Claudine Gay has resigned. She became the second Ivy League leader to lose her job in recent weeks amid the pushback over their answers to questions by local Congress member Elise Stefanik over the Israeli-Palestine conflict on campuses. Now moving right along to our fourth segment, we welcome Brad Monkell, our Tuesday night jazz sanctuary DJ and the producer of the weekly comedy segment. We welcome, for, welcome him for the first comedy segment of 2024. Hey, Kaylin. Hi, how Happy are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm good. Hope you had a good holiday. Yes, I did. How about you? I, uh, it was cool. It was pretty laid back and, and relaxing. Mm. I hope the listeners had a good holiday, too. It's good to be back in the studio. Um, so who did you bring with you this time? I brought our first return guest to kick off the new year. Juan Pantaleon is What's back up, with us today. Fudger mothers? <laughs> <laughs> um, Juan is alluding to the fact that he... He um, he came very he he purposely came very close to saying a swear word on his first interview, and um, it was it was very close. <laughs> it, it, it it felt like a finable offense, but he wasn't when he said it. No, nope. can't find it, me. Can't take me down. <laughs> Keep trying. I think our uh, programming coordinator over there is gonna have a word with you. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I emphasize the D. But the jur. What the jur? Emphasis. Yes, Juan, you've you've become so careful with your words on the air. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> um, it's not surprising though. I mean, you've been. Doing a lot of work and getting some very, very cool gigs since the last time we uh, saw you. Already doing cool stuff, you know, uh, featuring at the Funny Bone. But you just did a New Year's opening up for Miss Pat oh at the Funny Bone. I was so <laughs> excited for Ms. you. Pat. I know I was so excited to hear you got that. She's she's hilarious. Um, was she, is she someone you were already like pretty familiar with? Oh before? yeah, I love love Miss Pat. You can uh, if you would like to check out Miss Pat on your own. Uh, she does have lots of specials out there on on different networks. You can check them all out all over the internet. Uh, but I don't she has any any in, uh, introduction for me. Uh, it was great. I've I've liked her ever since I saw her on like Comedy Central. Mm. You know YouTube. I she, don't think was, I ever saw her back in on, Comedy Central. I can say Comedy Central stuff on here. Right? I remember 
Yeah, yeah I mean, okay. talking right. about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, you can. <laughs> I, I ask for forgiveness and permission. Uh, <laughs> but no, I saw her first time. This is not happening. Telling her stories about like oh, being a drug yeah. dealer when she was a kid and the single mom with like two. And I was like that, living in the hood and just doing. And then the way she was like unapologetically talking about it, I was like, that's what I'm trying to do with my comedy. <laughs> it's like being able to take all these scary experiences that I grew up with and translate it into funny. And to where people aren't scared about it, they're laughing it with me, and you know, and that's what she did up there. It was so beautiful. So I fell in love with her comedy there. I went on to go see her. She's got a special on The Degenerates on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Great uh, special. Absolutely. Yeah. She's got an hour special, and she's just hilarious. She's been on Joe Rogan. She's been on Burt Kreischer. So getting to meet her and work with her was the highlight of my career so far. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I have listened to her podcast a bit, The Pat Down, hilarious. and I've heard that her show, um, The Miss the Pat, Pat Show. show mm-hmm. Coming is, up on its is, fourth season. Yeah, I've heard it's amazing, but I, mean, I haven't it's gotten, it's I haven't gotten to watch it. She's just a, a funny lady, and she was a class act. Um, second show got a little wild. Well, I, I was going to ask. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you want to talk about it. I, I, I something about a fight it. might have broke out? Um, so... It got a little ratchet in there. <laughs> got a little bit. It was good. Are you, you saying know? there were some uh, mechanics? There were some mechanical issues. <laughs> what do you mean by ratchet? Oh, for our average listeners, the term ratchet uh, is just like a you know wild kind of non-race specific uh, ghetto kind of you know anybody can be ratchet and uh, you could be ratchet right now and you wouldn't even know it. Um, <laughs> But no, it got pretty crazy when some people were, were talking in the front row, and uh, Mr. Pat called him out at least three times, and the feature called him out, and this lady would just not stop talking, and she got up like she was going to fight Miss Pat, and Miss Pat being Miss Pat was like, B-word, I'll fight you too. <laughs> She's like, I haven't had my A kicked in a long time. You can be the first to try. <laughs> and she was like, it was a bald lady. She was like, I'll scratch the top of your head. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so she got kicked out. Jeremy, the uh, the bouncer, pretty much had to like push her out. She's like, "I'll come up there and I'll beat everybody." I was like, "We're all gonna get beat up now, guys. Like this is bad." Wow. She's out there. She called the cops. Uh, Miss Pat, being the absolute professional that she was, got the crowd back. Killed the rest of the show. It was yeah. like it was amazing. It was like as if nothing ever happened, and she was even making fun of it as it was happening. And you're like, "That's how it's done." Yeah, you were in That's, good hands. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then she did. Uh, she did the countdown. Um, I don't think she knows my name. <laughs> well, I, you know, she That's she cool. she has to meet so many people. Well, she kept calling me the Mexican. So <laughs> <laughs> she was like, "Give it up for the Mexican." And I was like. I'll be the Mexican, Miss Pat. That's cool. I'm used to being the Mexican. So, you know, that cool. is so Miss Pat, though. Absolutely. She did, uh, she was dealing with a lot coming from Connecticut the day, the night before. Uh, yeah. She had a bad show there, apparently. Like, the oh, crowd yeah. was a little, little well, hectic. Well, that's like the, the weird thing about, like, oh, this was almost the show where, uh, she, she had to break some funny bones at the yeah. bottom. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> do you, you, you worry bring comics to a place like Albany it's like how are they gonna talk about Albany Real after because I'm, I'm I like, really wanted to be represented good <laughs> well I like I've uh, I've been like starting to uh, to um, produce shows Absolutely and awesome. so, so like uh, one person I'm bringing up to Albany who I was l- like listening to one of their podcasts and they seem nervous about Albany <laughs> I'm like the, I want to turn the guy on your next show? Yeah, yeah. What's the his next name one, again? Jeffrey Asmus. I've seen him on some stuff. He's pretty funny. Oh, he's hilarious. He's but, guy, he's, yeah. but he doesn't, I don't I, think he's familiar with Albany, so I hope we... Bring him would... down to the studio. He'll fit right in. It'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But have you had any shows where you finished up and you were like, they don't like this area anymore? <laughs> um, I've had some shows where I finished up and I was like, I don't like this area anymore. Shout out uh, Hudson Falls, New York. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, which what? one was it? That was the, if you uh, want to talk about it, you don't, I... don't got to. No, I'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I did a theater up there where I did my opener. You know, my opener where I come out and I just say a bunch of words in Spanish. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I'm just kidding. I don't actually talk like that. I got two words out in Hudson Falls, New York before they started screaming, this is America. Speak English. And I was like, I need to finish these oh, jokes up God. and get out of here. It wasn't the Strand, was it? <laughs> it was the Strand. What? Yeah, it smelled like Ben Gay and the Great Depression in there. Oh, uh, how could they? <laughs> I, pl- I played there and they had excellent Jamaican food vendors. 
What? Send oh, that must have flew them in. I don't like it. It was a crazy little town. But as for around here, we're like, uh, I finished up a show and I was like, eh, I haven't had too many shows like that around here, to be honest. I think we have a pretty good representation around here. Uh, I mean, we've had some comics where I'm like, oh, I'm not going to put him on a show again. <laughs> <laughs> One chance, you're done. <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about that show, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brad Michael is no longer allowed on my shows. You can put me on his. Yeah, it's a deal yeah. we have. I got some secrets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I mean, I'm like, I'm pretty confident about it, too. I feel like I, you know, I feel like it'll go smoothly enough that I can make a good like name for the you absolutely the can. area. It's you just, absolutely can, dude. You've been you know. I watched you I watched Brad come in to the scene what, like two, three years ago? Two or three years you've been doing this? Um uh, almost three years three doing years. it like weekly. Yeah, yeah. And you came in and, and you were like just so ex- like you liked comedy. You clearly were a fan of comedy. And you came in instantly with his roasts. And he's so good. Get a bass guitar and start roasting people, Brad. It'll kill. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, everyone says to bring the bass. I gotta, I, this is my easy gig. I don't have to bring anything when I just picture, talk. All the pictures you up there just be like, boom, 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 roast. <laughs> and then like, just go. I think it would work really well. But yeah, no, your shows, I think, are going to be an absolute good representation of Albany. Dude, you've got big names. You've got the drive behind it. You've got, you care. That's the biggest oh, thing. Oh, I appreciate. It. We're here to talk about you, though. I, hey. I appreciate you saying that. Um, I know you got some stuff coming up. You're in uh, uh, on the 13th. You're gonna be at the Shamrock House the Shamrock in New House. Durham. It starts at 8 yep. p.m. Who's on that show with you? Uh, Andy McDermott is going to uh, be uh, on the show. He's putting the whole thing together. Uh, great guy, Andy McDermott, and Aaron Harks is going to be. Headlining, we got Ryan Donesco on there, Aaron Hart's local favorite. You oh, yeah, Aaron we've had Aaron on recently. We've had her on. She's great. My first uh, time working with Aaron. I'm very excited for that. So I, so I've watched her perform at the Funny Bone. I watched her sing mm. with Craig Robinson. That was amazing. Oh yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, cool. And then, um, and then on uh, the 28th, Sunday the 28th, wah, you'll wah, be wah. at the Lark Tavern. Absolutely. So if you all want to hear Juan do some stand-up, uh, keep an Brad's eye baby. out. He's at uh, on Instagram at Johnny Pants and Facebook at Juan Pantaleon. Thank you so much for joining us, thanks, Juan. Brad. It's good thanks, to have you, you back. Thanks for having me, absolutely. Always a pleasure. And uh, thanks to you, Brad Moncal, for uh, helping us produce and bring, booking all these wonderful guests to come on to this comedy segment. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And I'd also like to thank Juan Penelion for coming back to talk to us. You are a fudged and good guy, and I am, <laughs> I am happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along to our fifth segment. Uh, now time for our Talking with Poets. Tom Francis introduces us to a poet and United States Army veteran, W.D. Clark. Clark was a featured poet at the third Thursday Poetry Night at the Social Justice Center on April 19th, 2018. W.D. Clark is a Vietnam veteran who served with the Army's 101st Airborne Division, flying as a crew member on a Chinook helicopter. He was restless when he returned home in 1970 and bounced from job to job, only working long enough to finance his trips out west. He fell in love with the Old West and California's gold country early on, forming some lasting friendships along the way. Eventually, he went back to school and earned a liberal arts degree. He started flying again and obtained a private pilot's license. Missing the camaraderie of the old helicopter unit, he joined the Army National Guard, retiring after 20 years' service with the 142nd Aviation Battalion. He is also retired from the New York State Division of Military and Naval Affairs, where he was a videographer for the New York State Military Museum's Veteran Oral History Program. He and his wife Linda spend their time between homes in Saratoga Springs, New York, and New Brunswick, Canada. Clark was the featured poet at the third Thursday Poetry Night at the Social Justice Center on April 19th, 2018. Thanks, Tom. It's always nice to be here. Uh, the first one I'd like to do is, uh, oh, also I might add that uh, my poems are basically mini stories set to rhyme. Uh, they're based on a number of different things, personal observations, of different people, my own personal experiences. Uh, I spent some time out in California in my younger years in uh, 
California mining uh, region and some of the homes pertain to that. But I'd like to start out with one called uh, the, two, the Two Holer. And uh, obviously you'll uh, soon uh, understand what it's about. I've often been a traveler and I've done my share of bumming. I prefer a place that's clean where I eat and I'm partial to indoor plumbing. I've often, I've never had the best of things and I'm certainly no high roller, but I'll be danged if I can figure why an outhouse would be a two-holer. It has been my experience when your stomach plays fast and loose, you need a place of privacy while parking your caboose. A one-holer is just fine enough and it certainly fits the bill and it's a place where a man can relax and think and wait for it come what will. Now imagine relaxing deep in thought all alone in a dang two-holer when along comes some conversationalist type wanting a debate on nuclear versus solar. And if that ain't quite bad enough, he proceeds to unpack his lunch and offers you a hunk of it as he proceeds to loudly munch. Well, I wouldn't quite say I'm the unfriendly type that's prone to indignation, and I've never enjoyed listening to the grunts and groans of a man with constipation. But this I'll state with clarity as it's been my observation. An outhouse ain't for breaking bread or holding conversation. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, the next one, as I mentioned, I spent some time in uh, California in the mining uh, uh, region of, of uh, Sierra County. This one's called uh, California's Goldfields. And most of my poems are fairly short. I've tramped along her rivers where men have tramped before. They stripped her of her riches bare, but still they yearned for more. With plumes and pipes and hoses, they washed her hills away. The ruts and ruins they left behind, it still exists today. Her creeks and streams like coursing veins ran brown with muddy silt. They picked her clean of all she had without an ounce of guilt. But do not fret, she's plenty left still hidden in her folds. For those who lust for yellow dust, her bosom's lined with gold. Thanks. <clears throat> uh, this next poem might be considered uh, an anti-war poem. And uh, I kind of shudder to think sometimes about uh, all of these last letters that uh, have been written in time of war. And this is called For His Mum. They found the letter in his pack the day after he died. And if they shed a tear when read, I am sure it be denied. His words did give them pause to think if they should end up dead. So herein lies the gist of it, and to his mum, he said, Dear mum, I never told you how much you mean to me. The sacrifices that you made, I've been too blind to see. The meals that you prepared for me, I never did say thanks. The times when I was sick in bed, you're pacing on floor <coughs> planks. The things that you had went without to supply my endless needs, and now I feel so ashamed for all my thoughtless deeds. The times that you stayed up all night when I did not come home, so often I ne neglected you and left you all alone. The times I fell and hurt myself, you held me oh so tight. For all the times I wasn't there, I want to make things right. The times I went and broke your heart and often made you weep, I promised to be a better son it's a promise I will keep. I remember how you kissed my cheek when you tucked me in my bed. There are so many things, you know, I truly wish I said. But now I guess I have to go, the darkness I can't delay. I hope that I can make it home for your special day in May. In closing, Mom, I miss you. What the future holds, we'll see. But I truly must... I truly now would like to say you mean so much to me. That letter was so nicely done, though the dampness made it run. It'd be the last he'd ever write. It was signed, Your Loving Son. Now, the next one, okay. Next one is uh, it's kind of a macabre tale of a pipe smoker's final bequeath. 
and it's called his favorite pipe. Pass to me my favorite pipe, a last one final smoke. It calms my nerves and brings me peace. Oh, Lord, I crave a toke. I love that pipe. It's worn and bent with a golden brown patina. With warmth and taste, she's been my gal. I call her Nicotina. Pass to me my favorite pipe. I smoked her through the war. The stem I bit damn near in two when scared right to the core. I've smoked that pipe now since my youth. My cough's from emphysema. Each day I wait until my turn in death's cold, dark arena. Pass to me my favorite pipe. I'll caress her like a wife. I'll draw her breath into my lungs with fulfillment deep and rife. She satisfies a craving with an aroma oh so right. She's always been there for me, be it daytime or at night. Pass to me my favorite pipe before my dying breath. I'll take a final taste with me and hold it till my death. Before I do depart this world, before my life is through, it is my last and final wish to pass my pipe to you. Okay, the next one. Oh, okay. This one here is about uh, a hat I received from a friend of mine up in Canada that uh, passed away several years ago now. Uh, his name was Jim, and it's titled Jim's Fur Hat. I acquired my old chum Jim's fur hat soon after he had died. It was a hat he dearly loved, worn with the utmost pride. Of muskrat skin and soft brown fur, Oh, to the eye most pleasing. It never would be worn, of course, when it was hunting season. His hat was part of who he was, like fishpole, gun, and knife. In fact, it had been given to him by his most favorite wife. I fear I better clear this up before the provincials come a-swarming. His early wives had come and went, and Jim was far from Mormon. Old Jim did tramp the streams and lakes, the hills, the rocks, and ledges, just like the Canadian woods he loved, still rough about the edges. Through snow and ice and wind and rain, his head stayed dry and warm. With fur hat perched just like a crown, he cut a royal form. With a jaunty air and swagger and gait, from a distance he looked mounty. I'm proud to say that as far as I know, on his head there was never a bounty. Jim lived his life way past the brim, too full of life to measure. You bet upon the coldest nights, his fur hat I will treasure. The third Thursday Poetry Night series, hosted by Dan Wilcox, continues this Thursday night at the Social Justice Center. This month's featured poet is award-winning and internationally published author and veteran Suzanne S. Rancourt. For Hudson Mohawk Magazine, I'm Tom Francis. And that is our first poetry segment by Tom Francis for this year. And this is a weekly segment, so if you're interested in stories about poets, looking at through the archives of the um, Writers Guild, then going to our website, mediasanctuary.org, for poetry. You can find more there. And that's our show. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Hudson Mohawk Magazine. I'm Sina Bazilahickey. And I'm Kelly McPherson, also your engineer for tonight. We want to thank all of our volunteers who made today's episode possible. Segment producers Mark Dunley, who also did headlines, Brad Monkel, Tom Francis, and of course your co-hosts Cena Bazilla Hickey and Kaylin McPherson. This program covers stories of social and environmental justice produced by the community for the community and is supported by independent donations. If you value independent media, consider a gift of a monthly donation as a sanctuary sustainer by going to mediasanctuary.org. We want to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Hudson Mohawk Mag or send us an email to hmm at mediasanctuary.org. You can tune in weekdays at 7 a.m., 9 a.m., and 6 p.m. to hear local news or stream Sanctuary Radio at mediasanctuary.org. Full episodes and individual stories are available on demand at our website and on your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate all of you. Happy New Year, and thanks for listening. Thank you.
Thank you.